The following sermon is from Christ Church Port Orange. For more information, find us online at joinwithjesus.org. Thanks for listening. We have been in a series entitled Binge the Bible because back in January, I challenged Christ Church to read the Bible in six months, not in a year. That's for regular Christians. <laughs> six months, six months. It's an alarming pace to read the Bible. How many of you guys are feeling a little winded at this point? Tiffany suggested in her wisdom, she said, why don't, why don't we give everybody one week off to catch up? Doesn't that sound like a good idea? Except for all you overachievers. You're like, I'm up to date. What do I get a week off for? Right? So I thought it was actually a good idea for those of you who are behind, but I already have a special guest coming who I've invited to participate in the, the uh, Binge the Bible series who's planning a sermon on First Chronicles. So I can't be like, never mind, <laughs> moving ahead. So, uh, so much for your break. Anyway, we are taking a break today. We're not going to be in Deuteronomy, which we just finished reading. Uh, some of us just finished reading Deuteronomy and we're starting Joshua. I do have one passage from Deuteronomy, but I'm not trying to do a Deuteronomy sermon today because today is a special day. It's not just Super Bowl Sunday. Today is the final Sunday in our two-year-long One Life Initiative. It is final Sunday. Can you believe that? Two years we have been committing to, pledging, and giving so that we can expand this facility and make room for everybody who's been a part of Christ Church. Listen, two years ago when we started this in January of 2021, we had 350 people on site in two services and 550 total with our online crowd. And we have doubled since then. Doubled. And so we need to expand. Can I get amen? We'll be adding services every, every five minutes. We'll add another service. We'll do whatever it takes, but we need to build. And so today I'm giving you some updates and some good news about our efforts to expand. And I got some, a, a nice picture to show you about what to expect and some timelines. And I know all of you who are excited about this are like, all right, all right, all right. But some of you are here for the first time and you're like, I came on building updates Sunday. Sad. I should have gone to Thrive. And it's weird. It's weird when you go to church and you're like, we're going to do an update on our building plans. And you're like, this is like going on a blind date. And the person in front of you is like, can we talk about curtains for the nursery? You're like, too soon. It's too soon to talk about that. In fact, I'm going to go now. That's what I'm going to do. But I want you to understand that this isn't something I'm asking you to participate in, but it is a statement, a loud statement. It should be to you because we have been doing this for two years for you. If you are here and you're new to Christ Church, we have been doing this because we believe that God has a plan and a purpose for you and he wants you to encounter him and we want him to change your life forever. And that is true for every single person within driving distance of this campus. Do you know that? And so this is a big deal to us because it's a big deal to God because you are a big deal to God. So we hope you come back for a regular week. But today we're talking about an update on our plans. So two years ago, we started January 2021 with a sermon series called One Life. It was five sermons that led up to Commitment Sunday, where we all gave the biggest offering. Tiffany and I wrote the biggest check we had ever written, and we committed to 24 months of making an extremely difficult and sacrificial chunk of money so that our family could contribute in a notable way to this initiative and so that we could do this together. And so this, this was a, a, a giving campaign, a building campaign, but it was more than that. It was really... First and foremost, it was about spiritual transformation. It was about us uh, responding to what God wanted to do in our community for his purposes in Volusia County, and then going into a place of, of sacrifice and of challenge and of testing in order to see if we could participate in that. And we encountered God and he blessed our family in ways I cannot even begin to describe. I mentioned this in the halfway Sunday last year, but our family did not know how in the world we were possibly, we wanted to give, give $10,000 
to the One Life Initiative with four children on top of our regular giving, which was insane for us. So we like cleared out our little savings account, wrote the biggest check we'd ever written and committed to $300 a month, which we was like right there where we could possibly even squeeze out of everything. And then just months later, Tiffany ended up working full time. So we had another income source. We ended up having an investment opportunity that turned out to be very profitable for us. And we gave all $10,000 in the first year. And in December of that same year, we wrote the next biggest check we'd ever written, bigger than the last one. So this is how God moves. We go out on a limb and we do something he's calling us to do. And then he's the one who supplies. Now it wasn't easy. We had to work for that, didn't we, babe? It wasn't like it was like, oh, yay. It was hard. (laughs) But deeper than the money, God did something in us. He showed us that he is doing something and he wants us to be a part of it. He stretched us. He revealed more of who he is and why what we are doing here matters. And it ignites our hearts and minds to recognize that there are people out there that matter to God right now that have no interest in being in church. But a day will come when they will face a tragedy, a difficulty, something they did not foresee, and they will reach out to God, and they will drag themselves and sit in one of these seats, and we are going to be there to give them good news of great joy that is for all people. Can I get an amen? And I don't know if they'll go to church at noon or two or four or six, but we're going to make room for them. So that's what this is about. It's a spiritual growth first. This, this was to engage our faith in inspire sacrificial generosity for Jesus' mission, which is what we're all about. He's the one who gave his life that we could have eternal life in his name. And we want to see that good news transform this community one life at a time. That's what this was about. We did set out to build a larger adult worship uh, space, which we're going to talk about. We were trying to raise a couple million bucks. We got a a consultant that helped us. They looked at our numbers and our attendance, and they said, here's here's the dream for you. The dream was if you could raise a million bucks, that that would be like beyond your wildest dreams, a million dollars based on where this church is at. He said, a victory for you would be 500. That 500 would be like, yes, your people are in 500,000. That's going to get you started, get you going somewhere. It would not pay for a $2 million building, but that's what they said we could expect. So that's what we started off. And, but mainly what we were looking for was hundred percent participation. That's what we were looking for because no matter what the numbers were, if everybody was on board, that told us that this church was committed to doing what God called us to do in this community. And so our big number we were looking for was 122 because that 122 individual contributing families was what represented Christ Church in January of 2021. And you know what happened? On kickoff Sunday, when everybody made their offerings, we added up all the individual offerings. You know how many offerings we had? Not 122. We had 143. 143. People who had never given before gave. People who didn't even live here gave. We were getting checks from Maryland, Missouri, Montana, Michigan, all the M states. They were just sending money going, we've been following online. We love this church. We're never going to set foot in Port Orange, but we believe in what you're doing. People were sending us incredible amounts of money who will never be here. And so it was awesome. Now, we also felt like God was calling us to not just hit the 85 to 90% target of our pledge number. So we all made a big kickoff offering and then Everybody wrote down what they were going to try to give over the course of two years to bring that number up as high as we possibly could get it. And the consultants say, like, if you hit 85, 90% of that, that's awesome because you're always going to have that drop off. Some people are going to leave the church. People aren't going to be able to fill their commitment. That's totally normal. Um, But we felt like, no, we really want to hit or exceed 100%. Now, I'm here to tell you um, that at month 23 of 24, January, you guys ready for this? We're skipping some slides, but January 2023, our... One life offering was not the $13,555 pledged. 
It was $32,805 in month 23. 242% of the pledged amount coming on in hot in January. Now, if you're like me, you're thinking it's the last Sunday. And I want to know, what's the total? How many of you guys were thinking of that? Like, where are we at on this total? And I'm going to tell you that I'm not going to tell you. Well, here's why I'm not going to tell you, because um, we're not there yet. In fact, February is our last giving month, and some people haven't made their offering yet. And so in March, we will know what the exact total was. But we did have 100% engagement, more than 100%. We did see people meaningfully engage with sacrificial generosity. The average gift was $6,000 per family, average, the average gift. The experts told us we'd have to hit at least three six-figure gifts to hit a million dollars, at least three, and we had zero. We had one gift of $50,000, a couple in the 20 range. They said we would probably see six gifts of around 10,000. We had 45 $10,000 gifts, 45. How do you like them apples? Pretty exciting, right? So we broke all the molds, which was awesome. And they said, this is really funny. It's, all the, it's crazy all the warnings that the consultants give you. They're like, you have to be really clear that this is like an, an extra individual campaign because people will want to participate, but they won't get it that it's different. And so people who give you a regular offering, they'll just write a different thing in the memo and send it over here. And it will be a zero net gain. Do you see this? And so they said, this happens to us all the time. When churches do this, the regular offering goes down. And so we said this out loud to everybody. And you know what happened? The regular offering went up and it's gone up year over year with no impact as we've been generous to the One Life campaign. That is a miracle. Can I get an amen? Now, the good news that you guys know if you've been paying attention is that back in January, or February of 2021, the total kickoff offering without any six-figure gifts was $859,480. About 43% of that came in on the very first Sunday. And for the past 24 months, everyone who's been a part of that has been sending money and people who have come to Christ Church in the meantime, because we've almost doubled in size since then, have joined because we keep talking about it every single month. You know how many individual contributors we have had to date? Not 143, over 220 as of last month. And so this has continued to gain momentum. This is part of the reason why we continue to hit over 100% every single month. Now, there's a couple um, numbers that I want to give to you. Yes, over, over 220 individual contributors, very big deal. Average monthly support is now over 125% for the entire 23 of 24 months. Now, there's a big number right here. You ready for this one? $72,500. That's a lot of money, isn't it? That is the amount we know is not coming from that original offering pledge because these are people who have left Christ Church, moved out of the area, been unable to fulfill their commitments, lost a job, all kinds of different scenarios, but this is the amount of money that we know $72,500 is not coming, okay? That's important. But here's this other number that's even bigger. $146,000 is the remaining balance of the unfulfilled pledges from January of 2021. $146,000. That's an enormous amount of money. Now, here's what I don't know. I don't know if there's a lot of people who are about to send in their last check and it's going to be anywhere close to this money or if this is kind of like a Scott's Tots moments. You guys remember that office episode where Michael gets the phone call that the kindergarten class that he promised if they graduated high school, he would pay for all their college. And all of them came and all of them graduated high school. Do you remember this? And he had to go tell them that he could not afford to pay for their college. And he was like, I thought I would be a millionaire by now. You know, you remember this episode? You're like, no, you watch the office. 
you're going to hell. I don't know. I don't know what you're thinking. Don't judge me. I just don't know. I don't know how much of this is just like good goodwill, and I don't know, and we'll see and what's going to come in. So I don't know. But a month from now, we're going to announce the actual total. But here's the really good news. Um, regardless of all of that, God has been faithful with Christchurch having grown, and because of a few really important conservative accounting principles, regardless of the amount of money that comes in, we are moving forward with the project. And that's good news. You can clap for that. I know you can clap, especially if you're rooting for the Eagles. I know you can clap. So here's what we've done so far. Here's what we've done so far. Number one, we already have a working budget, and we have for the last year, to pay at the new mortgage amount. And we have been saving all of the difference between our actual mortgage, which right now is very small, and the new mortgage. And so that's completely built in. We don't need any new contribution in our general fund to be able to pay for the mortgage um, that we're going to need to expand this facility. Isn't that great news? Uh, number two, we, have, we had a small first mortgage and we had a smaller equity line of credit that we used to do some renovations back in 2017 when Christchurch was very small and the building was at a lot of deferred maintenance. Instead of asking people to give at that point, we just had the equity, we used it, fixed everything, but we had these two mortgages. We paid off the smaller one and we have saved $32,000 in interest over the last two years because of the kickoff offering that happened. Isn't that great news? So that went right back in the kitty. That's exciting. Number three, um, our board, along with help from our project team that we put together, we, have, uh, we evaluated a bunch of contractors. We chose a contractor, a design-build firm, Senator Inc. We have been working with him and his team, and we have developed and designed an over 15,000-square-foot, 550-seat adult sanctuary that has all of our wish list items and is ready to be built uh, imminently. And would you guys like to see it? Yes. I knew you were going to want to see it. Here's what it's going to look like. Isn't that beautiful? Yes. And this is super exciting. We actually can paint that green roof so it's not green anymore, which has been a wish list of mine for eight years. So isn't that exciting? So this is going to be the new space. There's a couple different images in there. They'll flip through them, and you can stare at those and pretend you're listening to the things that I say over the next few seconds. Now, here, this will get your attention. Um, our budget for this project and our mortgage that we have already is $2.9 million. That's what this is going to cost, which if you know anything about commercial construction is a phenomenal bargain. This is a really, really, really big deal. We also hope that this is really the actual number because that's yet to be seen. But right now, that's the working number that we have. Now, uh, we can completely afford this. And I've already told the church this, but this may be the first time you're hearing this. We knew that we were going to have to borrow this money. And so six months ago, our lender, who is Christian Financial Resources, they are not a bank, they are a missional financial partner. They take investments and wealth from Christian people, and they get an amazing return on their investments. And with those investments, they loan to churches like ours to add and to build and to plant churches. And so all of the interest that is being charged by our loans and other churches like ours goes to fund other people and also to pay dividends on wealth that Christian people have. This is an incredible missional partnership. So they reached out to us to say, hey, we know you guys are right on the cusp of building this building. The interest rates are about to go up and they're going to keep going up. And so we, we signed on and closed a construction loan before the first rate hikes. And we are locked in at four and a quarter percent. Locked in. We're already locked in. This loan is closed. We have access to this money at four and a quarter. And we're not paying any interest on it until we actually use it. And so it's just sitting there with last year's interest rate. How exciting is that? This is a big deal. This is, we're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars over the life of the loan from the interest rate hikes that we've seen. Commercial 
loans like this are not in this range anymore, but we got one. So that's super exciting. Um, now, we also have had a preliminary meeting with the county where we showed them our plans. They have asked for a short list of answers to their specific questions so that they can approve our project and then we can start the application process. The, the main item that we were waiting on was a traffic study because of the density of the number of people who are coming to Christchurch now. The concern the county has is, do we get, are we gonna need a turn lane on Tomoka Farms Road? Yep, you know how much a turn lane costs? Yeah. Yes, 300 grand for asphalt. Not exciting at all. Who doesn't want to buy a turn lane? I don't. I don't want a turn lane for Christmas. So we did the traffic study, and we've sent, the, we've sent this, this company's doing that, and they're going to present that to the county. So fingers crossed and prayers ascend to heaven that we do not have to buy blacktop. But that's the next thing we're waiting on. Once we have that answer from the county, they will finalize and approve our site plan. And then we will take our plans and we'll put them out to bid. And once they're out to bid, we will have an actual number. Now that will be the time when people who are a part of Christchurch and you are subcontractors or business owners and you want to participate in the construction, you'll be able to bid on those things and you can do them at a less than marketable rate. You can donate your time, whatever it is that you want to do. And so there could be a chance for us to lower the total project cost there, but we really don't know what the actual dollar amount will be or if there will be a gap between our 2.9 million, the cash we have on hand and the total project cost until that happens. So we're waiting and we're hopeful. And that's just where we are. But the good news is all of these things are happening because of the faithfulness and generosity of Christ's church. Now, if you have a Bible, open to Psalm 127, because this is not just a big, long announcement. You're in church today, and we want to get some Bible in us. Can I say amen? amen? Psalm 127. And as you're turning there, I just want to bring up the issue of debt, because I know some Christians are anti-debt. Now, all Christians should be anti-debt, because debt is bad. Somebody say Amen. Would you agree that debt is bad? Um, but sometimes financing is necessary. Now, I don't know how many of you who say debt is bad also have a mortgage on your house or a credit card balance. But debt is bad, and debt is bad if you have it forever. But there's a difference between financing and debt. Do you recognize this? So when you're financing, you are purchasing a product, which is a financial product, and so you need to ask yourself some questions about the use of this financing, and is it a wise use of financing, and is it worth it? You need to ask questions about, is this affordable? This is what we should have been asking when Tiffany and I bought our very first house in 2006, when banks were happy to loan you money that you could not afford to repay, right? Now, we did repay that. It was very hard for very many years. And so you need to ask the question, not just will they loan it to us, but can I afford it? And we have asked and answered that question. Secondly, is it repayable or will you be perpetually indebted to your lender? If you do not have a plan to actually repay this debt and own your things, then that is debt and not financing. Does somebody know what I'm talking about? So is it affordable and can you repay it? And then thirdly, you actually need to factor in the actual cost with the interest. This is something we don't like to look at or think about whenever we finance something. We want to know the purchase price and how long we're paying for it and what our payment is. And whatever that interest rate and in payment that we pay to the company that loans, we just kind of put that behind our back and we just imagine it in there. But that's silly, isn't it? So we need to actually get that out there and go, okay, what's that's going to do? Now, the reason we have this and the reason we're comfortable with borrowing is we're borrowing very conservatively and our, our mission partner, CFR, they're, all, they're saying you, have, you could borrow a lot more than this, but we're not. But here's the reason why. Um, we already have all the means to be able to service this and to pay it off in a shorter amount of time than the term. And I'm inviting you today, that's the card you're gonna see on your 
on your seat. I'm inviting you to, to participate in helping us accelerate that if you so desire with what's called the Freedom Fund. Now, here's the calculation. If we can, as a church, give a little extra and all together put together about 10 grand a month, we will cut our term in half and save $880,000 in interest with just that amount of money, which for the size of our church and the people who are giving here should not be a hard thing at all to do. Now, I say this because it would be very easy for us to come to the end of the One Life Initiative and just not say anything. And y'all, a bunch of you have your One Life on auto pay. That thing just keeps coming and coming and coming. And I've, I've been in religious environments where they're happy to let the money flow keeps going even though the term has ended and just never say anything. But that's gross. And we should not do that. Somebody say amen. And so I'm here to tell you today that the One Life Initiative is over. We did it. Congratulations. Thanks to everybody. We got one more month to see what comes in. We'll let, announce everybody the total. But that doesn't mean that the scope of our generosity should come to an end. But we want to talk about it for what it is and not just pretend that it's something that it isn't. So Psalm 127. You guys ready for this? This is a song of ascent sung on the way to, to Jerusalem for the festivals. And it was written by Solomon. And here's what it says. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. Now check this out. For he gives to his beloved sleep. I love that passage. And it's not just because I have four kids and a five-month-old kitten that we adopted. I heard one comedian say, um, having four kids, because I have four kids, that means I haven't slept in seven years. Yeah, that's what it feels like sometimes. But he gives his beloved sleep. It's a little hinge verse. And watch what happens in verse three. Behold, look here, check this out. Children are heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is filled with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemy in the gate. This is Solomon, the son of King David, writing about two things and connecting them together. Unless the Lord builds the house, unless the Lord defends the city, and unless the Lord's blessing is on your labor, everything you're doing is spinning your wheels. Do you realize this? Now, there's a million ways we could apply this. There's a, there's a house, this, this store, I mean, this picture here is using a physical house. Listen, you build your house, some of you are building a dream house, you're building a house right now. Unless you are aligning your purposes in life with God, the things that you are building will come to naught. Do you realize this? And in fact, all of us who have our ring cameras and we got our alarm systems and we got, it doesn't matter what's coming at you. If you do not have the Lord as your protector, the fact that you get an early warning to coming danger just means you'll know sooner that you're done. Do you realize this? And if the Lord isn't the source of your prospering, then all of your hard work, the getting up early and the staying up late and the eating fast food in your car and sneaking in a meal so you can keep getting things done, all of those things matter for nothing because it's you aligning your purposes with the purpose and plan of God in your life that actually brings things to fruition. And without the Lord, everything is vanity. Now, I'm saying that at the cusp of us building this big 
expansion project and renovating this space for our kids and going into the next season of ministry as a church for a reason, because we are not just trying to build a building for us, and we are not just trying to get our wish list, and we are not just trying to eliminate the number of services. We are seeking to align ourselves with the purposes of King Jesus right now, and that's what these tools are for. And so, yes, we are building a house, but we are wanting to build it with him. And yes, we are going to look out for danger and we are going to act with wisdom, but we're only doing that because we know he's got our back. And yes, we are going to work hard. We're going to get up early. We're going to do what it takes, but we are going to sleep like a baby. Why? Because we work for the king who neither sleeps nor slumbers. Now, listen, we have thought long and hard about this building, its design, its flow, the people who are going to be in it, its purpose, its efficiency, its cost. We have turned all the dials to get this thing exactly where it's going to meet our needs and get, be as low of a cost as possible, the high of an impact as possible because of who God has called us to be. But it is very possible for us to build this building and in the meantime, get, take our eyes off Jesus and put it over here on this project. And we refuse to let that happen because we are a church, not a church building. We are an empowered, missional community, and I want to talk to you about what that means for just a minute. You see, we are building for God's purpose, but we also have to build according to God's plan, according to God's design. And God's design matters more for people than for structures. Do you realize this? This is what this psalm is about. Unless the Lord builds a house, unless the Lord watches over the city, it's all of your hard work. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. This house that Solomon's referring to is proverbial in the sense that it's speaking to your lineage, your family. This is what really matters. It's the kids in the bedrooms in the house that matter, not the house. Can I get amen? It's the mouths that you feed with the work, not the work that matters. Can I get amen? It's the safety of the people under your watchful eye that matter, not the ring cameras and the doorbell. Do you see? And so we want to align our purposes with God's purposes, and we want to align our plans with God's plans. And so we are going to build a church, not just a church building. And part of building a church is staying true to what God calls his church, empowered. We believe this. You're, the leadership team of Christ Church believes this deep in our bones, that every single person created in God's image, made alive and receiving eternal life by faith in Jesus, is filled with the Holy Spirit of God and uniquely called and empowered to fulfill a purpose in this community and a part of this. It is not about church meetings. It is about mobilizing every member of Christ church to do and be who God made you to be and what God made you to do. Do you realize that? This is not about putting on a show. This is not about offering services. This is about mobilizing everyone to step into the identity that God speaks over your life, to engage in the mission that he has ordained in your days, and to do that with the people that he has placed you around. And so we are going to be, by the grace of God, an interdependent church that values one another. Go home and read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. The Apostle Paul talks all about this. He says, listen, all of us are different, but we are part of the same thing. And so we value one another. We don't elevate anybody over anybody else. And we don't denigrate ourselves in comparison to someone else. This is like me asking you the question, would you rather me cut out your eye or chop off your hand? I'd like to keep them both. There is no value difference because we are a community of interdependent people. And so we value one another. And we have to build that way. That's the Lord's purpose. That's what it looks like for us to build according to the Lord's purpose and the Lord's plan. And we're missional. We're missional. This, is, this should blow your mind, but we're all sitting in church right now, but the things that we're doing and engaging with and giving to is for the people who are not sitting in church right now. Do you realize that? Like we are the, we are the church of Jesus. We exist for our non-members. 
It's the people who cut you off in traffic before you got here. Those are the people that we're building this for. It's the people who are playing golf right now or heading to the beach right now. It's the people who are getting their house ready to order chicken wings and drink Bud Light tonight. Those people, those are the people that we are making seats for. Do you realize? And that's, we are giving not for us. When we give for us, we expect something in return. You know what that breeds? Resentment. I gave $10,000 to this church and I don't like this chair. You see what I'm talking about? Well, that's because you were given for the wrong reason, because it's not about the chair. It's about the butt that's sitting in it. Do you recognize that? Yeah. Think about that. Missional. Missional. And missional means generous. Missional means generous. Listen, when God asks you to give something, and, it, and you're like, I don't know how that's going to happen. Do it. He's the supplier of everything. If God says to do it, do it. If God says to do it, do it. He'll, he will make the way. He will figure it out. Now, listen, I'm not saying what I tell you to do is God telling you to do it. Ooh, I don't have anything to do with that, okay? He will tell you. He does not need me to tell you. This is what God said. If you ever hear me say, God told me to tell you that you need to, you should just punch me out cold. I, I will not even file a police report, okay? God will tell you, but generosity. This is your purpose. If you're not fulfilling your purpose, what are you doing? What are you doing? And then community. And the key word hidden in community, guess, is unity. God's calling us to do this together. And this is actually the hardest part because the place that this gets difficult is in relationships because it's easy to talk about what you want to do, what you want to build, where you want to go. It's a lot different to get there with people. Do you know that? And in fact, this is the place where the enemy is going to try to attack us the most. See, we're trying to build. All, we know what all those things have in, have in common? Interdependence, generosity, and unity. You know what they all have in common? They all require humility and love. You can't have interdependence if you think you're better than somebody else. You can't be generous if you think that you are better than the person who's not in church today. You won't do it. You only give for yourself. And you can't have unity with people who are different than you if you are in this for yourself. All of these things require humility and all of these things require love. But that is who our Jesus is. He is the very epitome and expression of humble love. He did not count equality with God a thing to be held onto, even though it was his. But for our sake, he let it go and he became lower and lower and lower and lower and lower, taking on the form of a human and a servant to the point of death and even death on the cross. And therefore, God has exalted him. He's the only one who's got the character and the selfless love to fit to rule. And he is our king. And so we're supposed to live lives that look like him, magnifying his life, fixing our eyes on him. And when we do that, brothers and sisters, we demonstrate to a watching world what Jesus is really like. All those things require humble love. Now listen, at the outset of this building, and even with the giving, even in the act of giving, there can be seeds sown of bitterness, resentment, angst, toil. And so we've got to stand against our enemy. I mean, the enemy would like us to build the future of Christ church based on preference. That's an easy one. He would like us to build with pride intact. Just put a little pride in there. Oh yeah. Yeah, that is a nicer looking building than every other building on the way here. Ah. Is that what God's calling us to do? Are we better than other people? The enemy wants, the enemy wants to sow in offense in the way this thing happens. What happens? I didn't, get an, I didn't get a statement. Uh, no, 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 I never got a thank you note. <laughs> the enemy would like to sprinkle in feelings and fears 
in reactions instead of responses. We have an enemy that would like this whole thing to crumble. He would like us to build with hurt involved and insecurity involved. But what God's calling us to is to build with interdependence, generosity, and unity. And this only happens through the miracle of the humble love of Jesus expressed through God's Holy Spirit in us. And so we are going to be generous and we are going to continue to expand and we are going to be purposeful and we are going to work hard and we are going to make this thing happen. And we have every tool in our toolbox and I'm so excited to be able to say that to you, but it matters for not. It is vanity unless we are building the way the Lord wants us to build. Unless the things that are important to him stay the most important to us. Now, told you I was going to give you a taste of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 26. This is at the end of Deuteronomy when God through Moses set forth blessing and curses. And he's given, Deuteronomy is kind of like the constitution of ancient Israel. That's how you should read it. So there's a retelling of the law. There's all kinds of civil laws and rules about situations. It's all about property rights. It's really like the constitution. So you should know the American constitution and you should know the Israelite constitution. And that's Deuteronomy. And there's all sorts of things in there about entitlements and welfare and taxes and all those things are built in. And when you see them, you go, ah, this is a beautiful situation. Now, Deuteronomy 26 is the response of the people to Moses saying, we are going to do what God has called us to do. And it's specifically responding to the tithe of the third year. Every year there's a tithe. 10% of the yield of your land goes to the, the priests and God's purposes. And that's your first fruits offering. And you bring that every single year. But on the third year, there's another tithe. So that's 20% in the third year. And this is the entitlements tithe. This is to make sure the Levites have food, the sojourners, the foreigners, the, the childless and the widows. And this is Deuteronomy 26, 12 to 14. When you have finished paying all the tithe of your produce in the third year, which is the year of tithing, giving it to the Levite, the sojourner, the fatherless and the widow, so that they may eat within your towns and be filled, then you shall say before the Lord your God, listen to what we say. I have removed the sacred portion out of my house. You do not want to keep the sacred portion at your house. If God has set it apart, it needs to go where God has told you to put it. I, I have removed the sacred portion out of my house, and moreover, I have given it to the Levite, the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow, according to all your commandment that you have commanded me. Exactly what you asked me to do, I did. I have not transgressed any of your commandments, nor have I forgotten them. I have done according to all that you have commanded me. And so my question for you, and this is between you and God to answer, is what has God commanded you to do? I'm not gonna tell you what it is. I don't know what it is. What has God commanded you to do? What is the sacred portion that God has spoken to you that you are supposed to do? And a part of that is gonna be giving at Christ Church. It doesn't mean all of it. it. certainly isn't for Tiffany and I. We give in a lot of different ways to the different places that God puts in our hearts to do that. But how has the Lord commanded you to do that? And so you have, if you wanna participate in helping us to continue to close the gap that is forming and to get ahead of the borrowing that we're gonna to do to help us to save $880,000, then you can, like Tiffany and I did this this week, went onto our little bank app, put our dollar amount in that we're gonna give, put the PO box of the church in there. It's on auto pay for the next 10 months. It's going in there. This is just a commitment for 2023 if you wanna participate. If you're already giving to One Life and you wanna just let it keep going, that's where it's gonna go. But I'm the one that's here telling you that that's, officially over, and I'm not taking your money. Do you hear me, everybody? I will put it in there. That's where it will go. But that's not what it is. Do you understand? So Freedom Fund, 12-month commitment, or 
Just this year is really only 10 months left. We're looking for $10,000 a month. That's gonna help us. Now, the last thing that I wanna read and then we're gonna close. 1 Timothy 6, 17 and 19. Command those, there's that word again, command. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good and to be rich in good deeds and be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. You want to experience that life that God wants to give to you? Be willing to do whatever he commands with the wealth that is in your possession. Now, this gets tricky because, um, I don't know if you know this or not, but you can't see rich in the mirror. Did you know that? If I ask you who's rich, almost all the time, all of us will point to someone richer than us because that's just the way that it works. It's hard to see rich in the mirror. Sometimes pastors will lead you through this thing where you go, um, let's look at all these super poor people in third world countries that live on $1.48 a day and then compare ourselves to them. And then all of us would feel rich, wouldn't we? And then we'd also feel guilty and then all of us would feel compelled and then all of us would give something, but then we'd all feel bitter in the parking lot. That's not what I'm trying to do. Here's the point. Do you know what um, rich is right now in America? You know what the standard is? It's a $2.2 million net worth. If you have a $2.2 million net worth, you are considered rich in America in the 21st century. If you have $775,000 net worth, you're considered comfortable, but not rich. And if you have a new job where you're making a lot of money, but you don't have stored up wealth, you have a nickname. You know what it is? Henry, high earner, not rich yet. You're a Henry. That's what you are. High earner, not rich yet. We think about richness in terms of tangible assets, but everything you'll ever read about the people who are rich, they have one thing in common. They do not see richness and riches as how much they have, but what they do with what they have. You gotta read every article, every scholarly journal, every Forbes magazine, every rich person, everyone who's succeeded in business, and they will tell you that they could be brought to nothing. Maybe they've been bankrupt multiple times. It is not what you have that makes you rich. It's what you do with what you have that makes you rich. And this is why the command is to be rich in good deeds. But listen, more than what rich people know about how to make money, God's calling you, God's calling you to do whatever it is that he tells you to do because he wants to show up in your life and be God to you. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the, do you guys like that? They couldn't get that on the audio version. After 20 years, you can talk without words. Unless the Lord watches over the city, those who watch at the tower, watch in vain. God, what do we have that we did not receive. Thank you that we, no matter what we face, what we're attempting to do, we look to you. God, we are yours, the sheep of your pasture, living stones and your temple, children at your table. God, help each of us to live our lives, to build our proverbial houses, alongside of you.
doing your thing your way and finding in you everything that we need. Show yourself strong, God, as we look to you, not only for these big things, these plans that we have and expansion, but for every single one of us in every single way. God, let there be a testimony on our lips that you are our provider. You are our protector. And all of our prospering is from your hand. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' mighty name, all God's people said, amen. Amen. Hey, if you're here and you have a need, uh, don't leave without letting us pray with you. Our prayer teams are here. They would love to just lift up any needs you have. Uh, let, us, let us pray with you. And then take your time in prayerful consideration about partnering with us for what's next. And uh, we welcome all your questions. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful rest of your week. Enjoy the big game. We'll see you next Sunday.